Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Lesson this morning, I do. I'd like you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of John this morning, chapter number 1. It is Resurrection Sunday, the Easter holiday, and we come together, and obviously uh, there's a theme, and a lot of things that's been said already this morning uh, in the prayer and and everything, and we all know that this is a day set aside to honor and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. He was a man, and He was God. He came down to where we are and He lived. He lived for 33 years and then He died. And when He died, three days later, He resurrected. Amen. Now I know there's a lot of discourse amongst the brethren about what day He died and what day He resurrected. To be honest, I could tell you what I think and I could give you some reasons why I think that. But at the end of the day, what matters is that He did die and He did resurrect. Amen. And I know it. Amen. I know it. You can know it. You can believe it. I hope this morning that if you're here, that you're saved. Amen. I really do. I hope that you're saved. I know that God, it's not His will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I I don't hope that you've made a profession of faith. I hope that you're saved. I hope that the Lord lives in you like He lives in me. Amen. As I considered this, this day, this holiday, this holy day of Easter, this Resurrection Sunday where we've come together, Uh, It is a time where we might take a specific time to make specific mention of the glorious and victorious resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. I know that in churches all across our country and all across the world today, on this day, the Lord's Day, people will be talking about the resurrection of the Lord. People will be turning and reading the latter part of the Gospels, how the Lord resurrected. We'll be looking at that and each time around this year in April we pause And we consider that monumental moment, like Brother Tim said just a moment ago, how that is the the greatest and most important day in all of history is the day that the Lord Jesus got up. Amen. Amen. He got up and He defeated death and He defeated hell and the grave. Amen. He got up and he, He went on to do a great work for you and me that would make a way for us to heaven. That's what He did. I prayed and sought the Lord's will today about what would be the right thing to say and the right message to preach. And as I told you before, my prayer uh, in, the, in the weeks leading up to today has just been that God would have His way and have His will. Amen. I don't want to preach a message that I think is appropriate. I want to preach a message that the Lord thinks is appropriate. Amen. And as I began to study and pray and seek, and the Lord put on my heart, uh, just a few days ago, honestly, I really got settled on this passage here in the book of John chapter number 1. John chapter 1 is a wonderful chapter. It gives us so much important truth that we need about our Lord and Savior. How that 
in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Therefore, we know that Jesus did not come into existence when He was born in, in, that, in, that, in that barn and laid in that manger, but that He has been God from the beginning. Amen. And that He put on flesh when He became a baby. We, we know that because of John chapter 1. But as we read John chapter 1, I, I want to read starting in verse number 19. Read a few verses here and we'll ask the Lord to help us. And I'll give you this thought that the Lord has laid on my heart. This is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? Now that John is John the Baptist. Amen. And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I'm not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Esaias. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Why why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, But there standeth one among you whom you know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethabara beyond Jordan where John was baptizing. And the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, God, this morning I pray, God, that you would remove in me anything that might get in the way of the service this morning. God, I have no desire to be a hindrance to anything, God, that you want to do. God, my desire is to be an empty and willing vessel of me, empty of me and empty of pride and empty of any sinful thought. God, I pray this morning, if you would, God, that you would anoint me with the power from on high. God, I pray that You would use me to preach this message, Lord, to these people. God, that we might behold You for just a few minutes. God, that we might might take a time here, Lord, and set aside and, and look to the cross and look to that empty tomb and look to our Savior. God, use me as You see fit. Speak to our hearts this morning. We love You and we need You. In Jesus' name, Amen. As John stood preaching a message of repentance to a nation, that had become riddled with sin and hypocrisy, men began to question who He was. Could this be the Messiah? Could this be the the man, the one, the king who's coming to set up His kingdom? Could He be the one? But John said, I'm not. They said, well, are you that prophet? No. Are you Elias? No. Well, then who are you? If you're not Him, who are you? And why are you out here baptizing people? and preaching a message of repentance. And he said, I'm a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Just a voice crying. Why? Because there's one coming after me. I think it's very interesting that they said, what do you say about yourself? That's what they said, isn't it? He said, who art thou? Who art thou? What will you say about yourself? Who are you? What are you doing? If thou be not the Christ, neither that prophet, why baptizest thou? Who are you? What are you doing? And all John really wanted to talk about was somebody else. He said, I'm not them. All I am is a voice in the wilderness. You know what he means? I'm nobody. 
I'm just a voice. But he spoke of one that was coming after him. He said that this one coming after him was preferred before him. He said, oh, y'all, think, y'all are thinking about me and thinking about who I am and, and what I'm doing, but what you need to be thinking about is there is one among you whom you don't know. One that some of them may have even heard there at the temple when he was 12 years old teaching. That they'd seen and maybe, who knows, maybe they'd come in contact with some furniture that he'd had a hand in as a carpenter with his, with his, with his surrogate father, Joseph. Maybe they'd seen him there in the temple. Maybe they'd walked by him. Maybe some of them had met him but they didn't know who he was. And John said, there's one among you whom you know not, and he it is who's coming after me, who's preferred before me. He said, there is one coming after me whose shoelaces I am not worthy to unloose. Amen. He said, I'm here baptizing with water, but there's one coming after me who will baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He was talking about Jesus. Talking about this man who's coming after me. Oh, he'll be here soon, he said. And you don't know him, but I know who he is. Who is he? Who is this man? Well, I'm not not as good as he is. He's preferred before me. I'm not worthy to latch his shoes. He's going to baptize with the Holy Ghost and fire. Who is he? Who is he? Who is this man? He's just the man coming. I'm making way, he said, making straight the way of the Lord. And he's speaking to them of this man that they don't know. And then, the next day comes. And in the next day, John is out by Jordan, preaching, baptizing. And he sees coming from afar off, coming down toward him, coming down toward Jordan, the very one he's been waiting for. And when he sees him, he calls him out, by name. Behold, the Lamb of God. You see it? Look there with me. Behold, the capital L, Lamb of God. That's a proper noun. It's a name. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. In that small, seemingly small statement, John said more than any Pharisee and any scribe and any historian had a clue about the Lord. He wasn't coming right then to set up His kingdom. He wasn't coming right then to defeat the enemies of the Jews. He was not coming then to raise them up before all men. He was coming to take away their sin. He was not coming as a lion and a king. He was coming as a lamb. Isaiah said he went as a sheep before his shearers. He opened not his mouth. A lamb. And here's what he said. He gave out a a declaration, if you will. A command. And today what, what I want to preach to you and what I want us to do is what John told everyone who could hear to do. Behold. Behold the Lamb of God. That word behold in the English language, if you look it up in the Webster's 1828 Dictionary, it means to fix your eyes upon something. It means to see it. It means to see it with attention and to observe with care. If you go and you study the the Hebrew and the Greek and you look at the original words, you'll find it all links up perfectly. Not that we, 
we needed to understand, but we can look at it, and that word behold is such a powerful word in our King James Bible, amen? It means to see, but it is not just to see with your eyes. It is to look on, to consider, to perceive, to think on. It is to notice, to discover, to cherish. It is to really behold something that's worth looking at. When we have a wedding, and we gather all together, and you get the men up here, the groomsmen, and the, and the groom, a lot of time they'll be sitting here, or sometimes they'll walk in, and, and the wedding party will walk in, and everybody's looking, and it's all beautiful, and it's cute, and you've got the, the flower petals going down, and beautiful music playing on the piano, and everything is great, and everything is fine, and everybody's smiling. But then all at once, everything comes to a stop. And then the preacher who is up officiating the wedding will say, All rise. And everyone will stand and they'll turn and look because the person that we're meant to behold in that moment is the one who's the best dressed in the building. The prettiest, if you will. The reason that that ugly dude, amen, is standing up here with his best suit he can get on, doing his best and looking his best, he's about to be put to shame by his beautiful bride. And y'all look, and you'll see some of these guys recently, a young man from, from Dad's church, he, he was in the youth group when I was growing up, when I was uh, there still, his name is Mason, he got married, and I played the piano for him in their wedding some months back, and when his bride came through the door, he started boo-hooing like a baby. Oh yeah, you better cry and thank God that that girl in that pretty dress looked twice at your ugly head, amen, amen. I'm married up, hallelujah, thank God. When that bride walks in and people look, it's, oh, look how beautiful. Look at her. And she becomes the focal point of everything that's going on. And you find out that all this, let's be honest, is for her. Y'all ever heard of a bridezilla? That's because that bride knows that i got to have it the way it needs to be, and she should. Can I say amen right there? It's her wedding. When me and my wife were getting married, she said she wanted these colors and she wanted this. And I said, whatever you want. Amen. And I think that annoyed her sometime more than helped her. But I just, I, I didn't want to put my, put my two cents in if it was going to take something she wanted away. Because it was about her. And as the, as the Lord Jesus is walking toward John, I believe he, be, he, he became aware that he was coming. And he said, hold on, none of this matters. Look, behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. See Him. Consider Him. Look on Him. Observe Him. Cherish Him. Amen. Love Him. Because that's the one. You want to know why I'm preaching? That's the one. You want to know why we're baptizing? That is the one. There He is. Behold Him. Behold Him. What a powerful word. Behold Him. It is not simply to see Him. It's to know Him. To look on Him. To consider Him. And As I stand here this morning, I want to declare the same thing to you that John declares to them. Behold Him. We had, I, I asked Miss Kaylee if she'd want to help us out with some decorations and she put together these beautiful decorations for us with some help from family and friends and and she said, can we put a cross and a tomb up there? And I said, hallelujah, do whatever you want. But I'm glad this is here. And I'm glad that's there. You know why? Because that when I see that, when I see a picture of a big rock rolled over, you know what I think about? Him. 
When I see a cross, I don't think about Rome. I think about Jesus. Amen. And I, I want you to consider Him. I want you to look at Him. I want you to behold Him. First, I want you to behold His birth. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, the Bible tells us, While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, that is Joseph, in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken to the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. That word from the prophet, that word which spoke of his birth, it said this, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. Behold, a virgin shall be with child. That word behold, it is a declaration. It is meant to get your attention. And to turn away from what you're looking at, and look at this. It's like I said, when that preacher says, all rise, we automatically stand and look back. That word behold is to get your attention and to get you to look at something. And here's what the prophet said. Look, listen, consider, think. There's one coming and his birth will be unlike any other birth. He's going to be born to a virgin. He's going to come. And when he is born, he is going to save his people from their sins. And he'll, he should be called... God with us. He should be named Jesus. He should be called Emmanuel. This birth that is coming, it is a supernatural birth. It is His personification. It's Him going from being God a spirit to God a man. It's Him taking on mortal flesh and coming down and doing something that, nothing, that has never, ever been done before. Jesus had lived from the beginning because He is the Alpha and the Omega. Amen. He had been there with God in Genesis 1 when God said, let us make man in our image. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Amen. He was there for that. Amen. But now something different's happening. This was a moment in time and that prophecy and that angel are there speaking to Joseph and speaking to Mary and saying, behold, something new is about to happen. Something that's never happened before. The Son of God is going to become a human being. That don't even make sense. Why would God, the Son, want to be like you and me? I can't imagine. In my deepest thought, I can't imagine why he'd ever want to do that. But he did. Behold his birth. Behold his baptism in this passage we read in John chapter 1. If you read on down from where we stop there in verse 29, verse 30, he said, This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. Verse 32. And John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit, capital S, descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day after John stood 
And two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. This is his proving. John, we behold his baptism and we see his proving. Because John said this, I, I didn't know for sure who he was. But God told me that the one that when I baptize him, we see the Spirit descending on him and remaining on him, that he is the one. Now obviously John thought he was the Son of God. Because he called him out. Behold, the Lamb of God. But in his heart, there had to be a small doubt. Just a little doubt. Is this him? You'll find later in life he struggles with doubt too because we all struggle with doubt. But as he went and he wanted to be baptized, and he took him down there and he baptized him. And when he did, he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and a voice out of heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And that Spirit came down and stayed. And in that moment, John knew this is him. That right there is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. From that moment, he goes forward and begins to perform miracles and do great works for God and to prove who he was. Jesus could have stepped out and said, Hey, everybody, guess what? I'm the Son of God. He could have, but he didn't. You know what he did? He went about healing the sick and preaching the word of God, and resurrecting the dead. He turned water into wine. Amen. He did miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Why? To prove who he was. To show that proving spirit of God that was in him. To show that he was who he said he was. When he said, Lazarus come forth, it was so that they would know that he was the son of God. When he walked up to that leper and he healed the leper, it was to prove that he was the son of God. When he took that blind man and he put that, that dirt and that mud made from spittle on his eyes, he did that to prove that he was the Son of God. When he walked up to that woman weeping over her son who was dead in that casket, and he said, weep not. Dad always likes to say that, 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 that the Lord ruined every funeral he ever went to. Amen. That if the, if the funeral director saw him coming, he said, oh, well, here we go again. About to mess things up. You know why? To prove that he was who he said he was. The Son of God. He looked at Peter and he looked at them and he said, who do men say that I am? Some say you're, you're this prophet. Some say you're this. He said, who do you think I am? I think you're the Christ. The Son of God. He did it to prove who he was. Behold his birth and we behold his baptism and I want you to behold his beatings John chapter 19 verse number 1 then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him and the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head and they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. And Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. And then came Jesus forth 
wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify him. Crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Pilate stepped forward and and seeing his, and beholding his beatings, we see his punishment. I've heard it often said, you know, that people believe that Jesus was, was beaten, scourged, 40 save 1, which was the law of the Jews, because they were told and commanded by the law to not strike more than 40 times. So they would count to 39 and stop in case they missed one. The Lord was not beaten by the Jews. He was scourged by Rome at the word of Pilate. And the Romans were known for their brutality. Y'all have often heard it said that Jesus was likely scourged with what's called a cat of nine tails, where they would take those leather threads and weave into them pieces of glass and hooks and metal. Our Bible tells us in the book of Psalms, chapter 22, verse 17, which is a messianic psalm. That means it is prophesying the Lord Jesus. I may tell all my bones they look and stare upon me. I take that to believe that after they beat him, there were places on his body where his bones were visible. Isaiah 52, 14 said, as many, as, as many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. Pilate beat him almost to death, hoping when he stood them up and said, Behold the man, that the sight of him would deter them from their bloodlust. But it didn't. In fact, in another place it's recorded, they said, let his blood be on us and our children. Pilate said, you want to crucify him, you take him and do it, because I find no fault in him. I wash my hands of this. And they said, fine, let his blood be on us and our children. The beatings were not enough. And as Pilate stood him there before them, after he had taken a brutal beating of his body and his bones showing and his flesh rended and his blood dripping down to the ground, he was punished for what? What did he do? He didn't do anything. He healed their sick. He raised their dead. He healed the lepers and the blind and the lame. He sat with the poor. He led people to God. He loved them. Never had anywhere to lay his head. And then he stood there, and as a sheep before its shearers, he opened not his mouth. Pilate told him, I've got the power to let you go. I've got the power to to set you free. 
And Jesus told him, the only power you have is what my Father gives you. He went all the way to the cross, beaten, bloodied, injured so badly from this beating that as he marched to Golgotha with the cross on his back, his body couldn't handle it. And they had to call him one Simon of Cyrene to help carry his cross. Why? For you. For you. For me. Behold the man, Pilate said. Look at him. Look at what's been done to him. Is that enough? It wasn't enough. He had to go all the way to the cross. Now, we look at the cross. Isn't that pretty? You know, to be honest, it's pretty. It's got that gold sash, the nice plants down here. And what about that crown? That's my cross. Because he didn't do anything that I did. He didn't do... Are y'all listening to me this morning? He didn't do anything that you did. Every lie you've told, every curse you've spoken, every lust and every boasting and every pride and every theft. Even now, like I say, when I was eight years old, I'm 35 years old, and I still struggle with, with temptation and sin every day. Is it just me? Y'all do that? Do you ever just want to just, just bang your head against the wall? Why am I still this dumb? It's hard-headed. And even though I know what's right, and, and I, I'm a preacher, I'm the pastor of this church, and I'm still barely getting by sometimes without messing up and stepping the wrong way and say, y'all ever say the wrong thing and do the wrong thing? Amen. I deserve to pay for my sins. You deserve to pay for your sins. All those who stood there that day and mocked Him, and they hit Him with their hands, and they beat Him, and they put that crown on his head and that purple robe mocking him. Oh, behold your king. And their blasphemy and their sin. They deserve the punishment. Jesus just stood there and took it. Didn't even defend himself. Hanging on the cross. They said to others, he saved, come down, save yourself. You know what the Bible tells me? That both of the thieves that day said the same thing. They joined in. You saved others, saved us, save us. Both of them did. And one of them repented from that. And one of them looked at him and said, but look, look, he hasn't done anything. We deserve this. Will you remember me? And Jesus, dying for his sins, and your sins, looked at that thief, that criminal, said, this day, 
thou shalt be with me in paradise. Why? Because of your sin. Because of my sin. Because of my children's sin. Your children's sin. Oh no, not my little Susie or my little Johnny. My little Johnny Link. He'll lie right to my face. Did you, did you do that? Nope. 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 Did you take, did you get that cookie when I told you? Nope. You won't look me in the eye. You know why? You ain't got to teach them to sin. We all sin. And guess what? There is a price for sin. And the price for sin is blood. It always has been. It's, it, it, it's a brutal, it's a punishment. God can't bear sin. And so you know what he did? He sent the jewel of heaven. To pay the price of a sinner. My Bible tells me in 2 Corinthians 5, He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Behold his beatings. Behold his burial. How that they buried him. In Mark 16, verse 1, the Bible said, When the Sabbath was passed after his death, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had, brought, had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came into the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified, but he is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. Look, consider, he's not here. Not because he'd been taken, not because the disciples had snuck in and stolen his body, but because he'd risen. Because he got up. Amen. He got up. He said, go your way and tell his disciples and Peter that he go before you unto Galilee, and there ye shall see him, as he said unto you. You're going to see him because he's risen. This is his burial. It's his power. Such a Vicious and shameful and harrowing death that they had witnessed and seen. And when you read the Gospels, you'll find that those women were there. Those women stood by watching as he died on that cross and he took his final breath. And here they were mourning his death and, and full of sorrow. And they come to this place of darkness and death just to, just to anoint him with precious ointments, just to, just to love him even in death. And when they get there, the greatest thing that could have ever happened had happened. He arose. That's his power. How powerful he is. Behold, observe, perceive, pay attention, look, and listen. His grave, that, that place of burial gifted from that wealthy believer, it is now empty. You know what he said? Go tell others. Go tell he's alive. Go tell he's coming to see you. Go tell he's not dead anymore. He is risen and he is never going to die again. Amen. Behold him. Behold. We behold his bond. <laughs> Excuse me. That's his promise. 
in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. The Bible said, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? The kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but she shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. His bond, his promise, is the same thing that he told them there after they'd had that supper together. I go to prepare a place for you. Where I am, there you may be also. He said, I'm going to receive you unto me. And as he ascended into heaven and they watched, those men appeared and said, why stand you here gazing? He is going to return the same way that you're seeing him go up now. I believe that. Do you? Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that he was born of a virgin? That he was baptized and the Holy Ghost came down like a, like a dove and then he began to perform great miracles and to heal the sick and, and to raise the dead and to preach and to teach. And then he died. He went to the cross and he was beaten and he was, he was mocked and he hung and died on a sinner's cross. And then... He resurrected. On that third day, he got up, taking with him the keys of death and hell. He ascended to the Father. He placed his blood there on the mercy seat in heaven and ever liveth, making intercession for us. Do you believe that? I submit to you this morning, you do not have to believe that. You don't. For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Faith is at the option of every individual. You have the option whether or not to believe. You do. When I was eight years old, the Holy Spirit convicted my heart and showed me. In that moment, I believed that if I died without God, I'd go to hell. As a young boy, the Lord showed it to me in my heart. I was in church and my dad was preaching. The preaching was going out and, and the message caused me to behold him. To consider him. Do I believe that he is the Son of God? Do I believe that he lived? That he died and was buried and was resurrected? Because that is the gospel. Y'all have heard the gospel. This morning. The gospel is that he lived, he died, he was buried, and that he was resurrected. That he is the Son of God, and that he came to save us from our sins. And I, as an eight-year-old boy, chose to believe that. And in believing that, I went to an altar, and I bowed down, and I asked the Lord to forgive me for my sins, and to save me 
to come into my heart, and I believe. You know what the Bible says about belief? Romans chapter 10, verse 9, very simply says this, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. As a young man, I experienced these verses. And since then, I've been saved. And for the rest of my mortal life, and then the rest of my eternal life, I'll be saved. Why? Because God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Romans tells me in Romans 3, verse 23, for all sin and come short of the glory of God. You have, I have. The only difference between me and someone out in the world who's never heard the gospel is that I've believed. I'm not better. You're not better. Not one of us is any different from anybody else. We are all sinners, but some of us have been saved by grace. And the only thing that makes us saved by grace is believing. My question to you this morning, and I look out in the crowd and I see all kinds of different people, amen? And some of us, we get up and we come to church and we put on our Sunday best, but you know what we are underneath that Sunday best? Just sinners. Have you believed? Well, I had an experience, but have you believed? Well, a preacher told me once, but have you believed? So many people have made a profession. Well, I'm a Christian. I joined a church. But if you die today and you stand before God, and He asks you, by what right do you have to be here? There is only one thing I can say. Heard a preacher say it recently. The man on the middle cross told me I could come. You know why? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever, what's that next word? Believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Have you believed? Church member, have you believed? Have you put your faith and trust in the finished work of Calvary? Have you with a heart believed in the righteousness and the mouth confession made in salvation? Because if you haven't, it doesn't matter how many church services you come to from now to the end of your life, it won't save you. It's a moment of belief and faith and confession. Have you? Visitors, have you believed? We've come together today to honor the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Nothing could possibly honor him more than belief. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. 
We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon. And we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.